as I'm standing up here this morning, I, I realize I should have ran this illustration by Miss Mary before I stood up here, but here goes. When you're writing a paper, you only have one chance to capture your audience's attention. You have to make it big. You have to make it important. It has to be an attention getter because you have to hold their attention throughout your entire paper, not just the first paragraph. And then you must make it clear with a concise thesis statement of what your readers are expected to learn, what you're going to tell them, what the primary arguments you're going to make throughout your paper are going to say. And then at the end, you have to answer, you have to make sure that you're going to answer the question that you posed. This is what writing a thesis paper is about. It's leading, it's preparing and leading your reader through the paper that you have so marvelously put together that grabs their attention that they can't look away because they must keep reading. And as my seminary professor, Dr. Robert Peterson, always said, and once you get to the end, you need to reiterate what you've already said. You need to make sure that you've proved everything that you stated to be true. You have to rewrite your thesis statement. This is what we find at the end of John's gospel. In verses 30 and 31, this is what John writes. Now John did many signs in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written so that you, might, so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you may have life in his name. This is his conclusion. As we just read, as Bill just read in John 1, 1 through 18, he grabbed his audience's attention. This is God. This is the word. And this is what happened in the beginning. The word became flesh. And the word came to us. And John ends this with verses 17 and 18. It says, For the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, the only God who is at, at the Father's side. He has made him known. He sets the reader's expectations. He presented a question that he intends to answer through the body of his work. Who is this word? Who is Jesus? And for 20 chapters... John has guided us through this gospel, revealing to Jesus with one goal. He has one aim throughout this entire book, that you might believe in Jesus. And the truth of the matter and the, the, the true reality we face are that these expectations that we might have, that our world might have, because if we're thinking, and we're thinking clearly, we should ask the question, but he died, and people don't raise from the dead. I will not believe unless I see. We want empirical evidence. We want the scientific method to show us everything that has ever happened, and then, and only then, are our hard hearts open to see what is really true. I believe that John writes this 
these last two verses in his 20th chapter to counter this objection of the risen Christ. It's as if he's combating the logical objection of people raising from the dead. And this is what John says. Look look with me. Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. John has recorded in his book, in the first 12 chapters of this book, or sometimes called the book of signs. There are seven signs that Jesus did, that John records, so that we might believe in this Jesus that he presents to us. The first sign is in John chapter 2, and please turn your Bibles with me to John chapter 2. It's on page 887 of your Bible. Jesus went into Cana and changed water into wine. This is believed to be his first miracle Jesus ever performed. He turned water into wine at the wedding feast. You see, Jesus really was a Presbyterian. And this is what we read in verse 2. Jesus also was invited to the wedding with his disciples. And when the wine ran out, the mother of Jesus said to him, They have no wine. And Jesus said to her, Woman, what does this have to do with me? My hour has not yet come. And his mother said to the servants, Do whatever he tells you. Now there were six stone water jars there for the Jewish rites of purification, each holding 20 or 30 gallons. And Jesus said to the servants, fill the jars with water. And they filled them up to the brim. And he said to them, now draw some out and take it to the master of the feast. So they took it. And when the master of the feast tasted the water, now became wine. And it did not know where it came from, though the servants who had drawn the water knew. The master of the feast called the bridegroom and said, everyone serves the good wine first. And when people have drunk freely, then the poor wine. But you have kept the good wine until now. Jesus turned plain old water into wine at this wedding feast. And this is what John says in verse 11. This first of his signs Jesus did in Cana in Galilee and manifested his glory and his disciples believed in him. This is the miracle. This is a sign that is pointing to the joy that we can only find in Christ. This is what wine was in the Old Testament. They drank wine to have joy in the Lord's redemption. This sign, this sign pointed us to see who Jesus truly was. He was the Messiah, the Son of God, the one in whom all are called to believe. It also revealed what he was doing. He was manifesting his glory. This sign was a small glimpse of the reality of where Jesus was headed to the cross through his resurrection and his ascension into heaven. This sign was like a billboard. You've heard heard me say this. This sign is like a billboard pointing and preparing us for what is to come. The true essence of this sign is Jesus. The second sign comes directly after this. In in John chapter 4, Jesus heals the official's son. And this is what we read in 
John chapter 4, verse 46. So he came again to Cana in Galilee, where he had turned the water into wine. And at Capernaum, there was an official whose son was ill. When this man heard that Jesus had come into Judea to Galilee, he went to him and asked him to come down and to heal his son, for he was at the point of death. And now listen to this. And Jesus said to him, unless you see signs and wonders, you will not believe. And the official said to him, sir, come down before my child dies. And Jesus said to him, go, your son will live. The man believed the words that Jesus spoke to him and went his way. And, we, he was, and as he was going down, his servants met him and told him that his son was revived. So he asked them the hour when he began to get better. And they said to him yesterday at the seventh hour that his fever left him. And the father knew that that was the hour in which Jesus had said to him, your son will live. And he, be, and he himself believed and all of his household. This was now the second sign that Jesus did when he had come from Judea to Galilee. Jesus again manifested his glory. And this man does what every man should do when Jesus manifests his glory. He believed in him. Right after this, in the very next verse, we see Jesus heal a paralytic. And in this story, Jesus tells this paralytic who's been born this way, get up. Take your mat and walk. And something miraculous happens. The man who was paralyzed stood and walked. And this is what Jesus says in verse 14 of chapter 5. My father is working until now, and I am working. Jesus has come to do the work of the father. He is ushering into this creation, the kingdom of God, where everyone responds when the king speaks. And then in verse 19 to 29, Jesus interprets and explains this sign. And in verse 20 to 21, he says, For the Father loves the Son and shows him all that he is himself, and greater works than these will he show him. So they marveled. For as the Father raises the dead and gives life, so also the Son gives life to whom he will. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever hears my word and believes, it is he who has eternal life. Truly, truly, I say to you, and an hour is coming and is now here when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God and those who hear it will live. Those who hear his voice will live. This sign, this healing of this man's son, John is telling us. He is pointing us. He is preparing us for something even greater. He told the paralytic to stand and walk. And soon Jesus will command the dead to rise. And when they hear his voice, they will stand and they will walk. Then Jesus feeds the 5,000 in chapter 6. There John records, when people saw the sign that he had done, they said, this indeed is the prophet who has come into the world. The prophet comes bearing the words, the words of God of his unmerited grace and his love for his people. And this is this Jesus John then records Jesus walking on water in John chapter 6. 
that he healed a blind man in chapter 9. And then the last sign he performed is in John chapter 11, where Jesus stood at the empty tomb. And Jesus said, this illness did not lead to death. This illness led so that the glory of God, so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. And Jesus told them plainly, Lazarus has died. And for your sake, I am glad that I was not there. Why does he say that? Why does he say that to those who are mourning, who have just lost their son and their brother? So that they might believe. This is why Jesus has come. This is why Jesus performed these signs and these miracles. So that all who saw them might believe in his name. And look, look in John chapter 11, verse 45. Look how they responded. Many of the Jews, therefore, who had come with Mary and had seen what he did, believed in him. These are what signs are supposed to do. This is what the miracles of Jesus prepared the listener for. Something greater to come. The mighty and wondrous acts of God in Jesus Christ at his death and resurrection from the dead. For these are the words of John, or of Jesus, right before he goes into the upper room with his disciples. Father, glorify my name. Then a voice came from heaven, I have glorified it, and I will glorify it again. Jesus is going to the cross. There, where the seven signs recorded by John prepare us and were pointing us to see the wonderful, marvelous acts of God. There are some who believe that the death and the resurrection were actually the eighth sign. They believe in signs as miracles. The resurrection from the dead is the greatest miracle that anyone has ever witnessed. But there are some who say that that miracle was not a sign, for signs merely point to what is coming. And I believe John has written and prepared his readers from the very first chapter for something greater. It's almost as if these signs were building, and they built to the raising of the dead of Lazarus, and poor Lazarus, because Lazarus had to die again. But the wonder of God and Jesus Christ is that he raised from the dead and death no longer has power over him. Jesus isn't the sign. He is the revelation of God's glory for all mankind. Jesus isn't a sign. He is the true light that shines into darkness and the darkness will not overcome him. He is the glory of the Father, full of grace and truth. And through him, we, his people, receive grace upon grace. Because he came to us and we didn't even deserve him. Because we loved the darkness too much. John tells us, Thomas believed after he saw. John told us that he believed after he saw. 
John tells us that the anonymous witness at the cross believed when the spear pierced Jesus' side. John tells us that Mary Magdalene saw and believed. John tells us that the disciples, a week after his resurrection, saw and believed. And this is what John is telling the reader. This is what John is telling you and me this morning. There were many other signs and things that Jesus did. Were every one of them written down, I suppose the world itself could not contain in books what is written. And listen to what Jesus says. Listen to what Jesus says to Thomas after he saw and he believed. He said, have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. This entire gospel is written for us in this room that we might believe in Jesus. That anyone who takes up this book and read it might have faith of who Jesus really was. The glory of God revealed to his creation. And Jesus said, and I have other sheep that are not in this fold, and I must bring them in, and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock and one shepherd. We are called to believe in the good shepherd, the Lamb of God who came to bear our curse for us. We aren't just to listen to truth claims. We aren't just supposed to fashion good doctrine. We're not supposed to read this just so that we get our act together or that somehow we can find a five-step process of how we can improve ourselves. This is written so that we might believe in Jesus, the anointed one, the Messiah, the Christed one, the Son of God, has come into the darkness of the world and the darkness of our hearts to set us free. This is who Jesus is. He heals. He feeds. He saves. He crushed the head of the serpent. He set the captives free. And Jesus is calling you this morning, look upon me and believe. For he is the truth. He is the way to the Father. No one goes to the Father except through Jesus. Jesus is calling you through the reading and the preaching of the word that you might hear of this great grace that God has had in Jesus. And if you're wondering, am I a sheep? Believe me this morning, open your ears and hear the Father say, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden. For I will give you rest. Because God shows his love in us that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. That's every one of us. Every one of us needs Jesus, the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. And if you're still holding out, and if you're still saying, I want to see, we must remember what Jesus said. 
or what John said in John chapter 12. Though he had done many signs before them, many of them still not believe in him. There were those who did see and still did not believe. There were those in the Exodus who walked through the Red Sea, who saw God's mighty works for them, who went into the desert, and they still did not believe. And we have to look at our own lives. We have to understand that these signs were given. This testimony, this word, the Holy Spirit has given to us so that we might believe. Jesus says in Luke's gospel, if you demand another sign, you will not receive one. For the last sign that is coming is the sign of Jonah. And something greater than Jonah is here. For Jonah went into the belly of the great fish for three days and three nights. So Jesus went into the tomb and rose from the dead. And we must admit, seeing is easier. But Mary didn't see until Jesus allowed her to see. John didn't truly understand until the Holy Spirit changed him and opened his eyes so that he might believe in the Christ. And this is where John is ending his gospel. We're going to get to chapter 21, the epilogue. We're going to see Jesus restore his disciples. But this is the purpose of this entire book. That these signs were written so that we might believe. Believe the promises that God is faithful to you in Jesus Christ. And that God is blessing his divine favor upon you. A blessing of God isn't just our best life now. This blessing, this beatitude that Jesus says, for all who believe without seeing are those who, are, who have received the favor of God. And this is how God looks at us. With favor, with blessing, because of what Jesus has done for his people. We are being called by John this morning. We are, be calling, we are being called by the Holy Spirit who wrote this through John, throughout this entire narrative. And there's only one response to Jesus. Believe that he is the Christ, the Son of God. He is the greater high priest. He is the true prophet. He is David's greater son, the king. He is the son, the better son than Adam, the true son of God, crucified, buried, and died for you. Believe in Jesus. Come to him by faith. Do you think that Jesus is worried about your doubts? Do you think that if you come to Jesus with some skepticism, some truth claim that you just can't overcome, do you think he's nervous about that? That our questions and our thinking through the evidence might offend him? Jesus says to his disciples, come, touch, and see. And Jesus, when he was 
in the night, at his very last night with his disciples, prepared a feast for them. And he says to us this morning, come and see and touch and taste the Lord's favor for you. The richest of food, the finest of wines, the body and the blood of Christ is given for you that you might believe that he is the Christ, the Son of God. Let us pray.